Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 290. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lendit FinTech. Today's episode is sponsored by Lended Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. Lender's flagship event is happening online this year on April 27 to 29, with the possibility of an exclusive VIP in-person component. The verdict is in on Lender's 2020 event that was held online, with many people saying it was the best virtual event they had ever attended. Lender is setting the bar even higher in 2021. So join the fintech community at Lended Fintech USA, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Sign up today at Lender.com slash USA. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Stefan Lintner. He is the CEO and co-founder of Gico. Now, Gico is probably the most unique digital bank in all of fintech, and uh, the whole what the, the whole offering is unique. How they approach it is unique. The way they got their banking license, you know, is is certainly very different. So, you know, Gico is is a digital bank, but it's really uh, it's got a very different focus, a different type of product. They're not interested in lending money at all. They're really more of a technology company that is providing sort of the the rails, new kinds of rails to to move money around. Uh, very efficiently and quickly, and all while also earning earning interest for you know, for their customers. So we go into the details in some depth. It's not intuitively obvious, but uh, stick with us, listen in the episode, and you will find out how it works. It was a truly fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Stefan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Okay, so. Let's get started by giving the listeners a little bit of background just to set the stage here, particularly focused on obviously what you did before GCO. Can you give us some of the highlights? Sure. It's pretty simple. I came from Europe to get a PhD in applied mathematics at Caltech. Never thought I'd be in finance, but I uh, was hired to uh, price derivatives on the trading floors in the Goldman Sachs, joined in 2007, and then had a nine-year career on the floors, uh, learning a lot about finance in general. And left in 2016 um, to start Gico. Okay. Okay. So then, how do you describe Gico? Because it's it's really it's not it's not something that's very typical. You don't have a lot of companies that are like yours. So how do you describe it? Well, if if you describe the function, our business is money storage and access at scale. So the way we do that is is through it by having a bank, having our broker dealer, the treasury bill construct that your audience may or may not be familiar with. But really at the core, we've been trying to build, you can call it a bank, it's not really a bank in the usual sense, but a very safe layer where everyone, where everything can store money, move it around really efficiently, creating this interoperability. So money storage at scale, that's, that's, the, that's one way of positioning us. Right, right. And so then you keep depositors' money in treasury bills, I, I believe. So that's it's not exactly uh, a typical of what others do. Where did the idea come from to keep deposits in treasury bills? So I'll tell you right now where the, where the idea came from. It's just a little correction. The deposits are not kept in treasury bills okay. on, on the bank's balance sheet, right? It's really an investment. You as an as a end user 
if your money is with Jico, really you own treasury bills now. So there's really trading happening behind it, securities trading and clearing. You deposit, and then we invest that money for you in treasury bills. Okay. Okay. That's what makes us not a normal bank. We're both a bank and a broker-dealer, and the broker-dealer is where your money is stored in T-bills in your name. The bank is where the money comes in, and the payments get processed, cards and all that good stuff. So uh, the idea came from, well, I, as you just asked me, I, I worked on trading floors, and if you look there, uh, amongst banks, there is no such thing as cash. If you have cash, it means it's on a balance sheet, it's lent. It's, it's a, you lend money to the bank, the bank then works it. So what banks actually clear with each other, the way you think about cash on a trading floor is treasury bills, securities that are issued by the government. They're safe, they grow. When things are good, they grow. When things are bad, they hold. And uh, if you're big, it's the best thing you can have your money in because FDIC doesn't even apply. So I've, we've seen it at scale and said, well, but if you want to make the financial system efficient, we want to, don't want to have all the constraints that a bank that lends normally has. If our only focus is to make things smooth and, and store money for as a first layer, then why don't we use that? Why don't we do what corporates do, but that scale for everyone, small and big, hold T-bills instead of holding cash? Interesting. And obviously the, the, the yield, um, even in a relatively low yield environment, is still going to be better than you get on your, and your, on your checking account or even savings account for, most, for the most part. You know, we, we, I get the question all the time. Uh, what's the yield? The answer is, I don't know what the yield is because it's whatever the treasury bill market yields. Just the same way you can't really ask a bank, what is the yield in a savings account? They tell you what they're paying today. They can't tell you what they're going to be paying in a month because things is always subject to right. money. So it's not really the yield question. It's more, well, it naturally has yield when things are good. It's really a safe instrument and it allows us to be an ultra scalable platform where we don't have constraints. And we can take millions of consumers or large corporates and match everyone and do a lot of really nice things on the payment side. So it's really the scale that the T-bills allow us to get, transparency, and yes, chances of yield when the environment has yield. And by definition, about at par or above most checking and savings accounts. That's historically how it works. Right, right. Okay. Okay, so let's just get uh, – I want to go and address this uh, – this thing you did that was somewhat unusual, you were, you're a fintech company, you hadn't really launched yet, and yet you went and acquired a bank in Minnesota, a small community bank. Why did you decide to buy a bank rather than, you know, chartering, going through the chartering process yourself, or what was behind that decision? So there was, there's two, uh, two levels in, the, in that decision level. First, first decision was, Let's, let's get chartered, let's be regulated, let's do this the right way. Very counterintuitive, only Vero went really that way. A company like Square, it's only now that, there's, that, they, that, they've, that they've obtained an ILC charter. Mm-hmm. We decided from the beginning, we want to scale, we want to inspire trust, bottoms up. So three ingredients needed for that, a, a licensed bank charter, a clean technology stack, and a completely different balance sheet model where you don't have the problems of having to do lending and all these other complicated things that a bank normally does that prevent them from scale. So uh, that, that led to the broker deal. Then knowing that we wanted to be chartered, we had a couple of possibilities, either apply for a new charter or buy, buy a bank. We decided on the latter because either opportunity was there. There was this, this particular bank that, that we ended up acquiring was, uh, was available and a great price point and a great management team. So everything, everything led to that. And also, if you're trying to deploy a new business model like ours, 
regulators before approving a new charter or an acquisition really need to understand what you will be doing and vet it. Right. The best way to vet it is to have an existing bank. You deploy the product in there. You show what you're doing. Regulators can see it at small scale and come and say, well, we don't like this, but we like that. And we'd like you to do this better. And you build a trust over a two-year process and eventually you close the deal. That, that was really safe for us because otherwise it would have been really difficult to demonstrate what we would want to do without having the charter yet. So right, it's, right, it's very right. Natural. Yeah, that makes sense. So what was it about this particular bank? I mean, you said, you said the, the price, the management team, but were you, were you sort of dead set on going this route of, of having a bank, uh, buying a bank? So but what was it about this bank? Because I believe it's in Minnesota and it's, it's not exactly, you're not based in, in Minnesota. So what was it about the bank that really was, that was appealing? There was existing relationships. Some of our some of our investors uh, were involved with the bank, so we had okay. a natural starting point. When we started talking, it was more to explore even the feasibility of what we wanted to do with this bank or another one. And then and then through the conversation, we all it became natural between us and their management team and their board to say, "Well, let's really do this. Let's uh, let's do a pilot and start approaching the regulators and get to a deal over time." What was it like approaching the regulators? How I mean, because it said. You know, you're doing something that no one's ever really done before. So what were those initial conversations like and how have they, how, how have they progressed over time? They were very friendly from the beginning, very encouraging as well, uh, supportive. I guess because our model is also clean, we're not, what we're doing is very easy to understand. It's relatively safe. We're not introducing systemic risk. We're not introducing technology risk. On the contrary, we're reducing it by having rebuilt everything in a modern fashion by having uh, a delivered institution that's really just focused on payments and money storage. So it all, it all made sense. Then it was about um, saying, well, from there on, here's the next step. We'll, we'll deploy, we'll do five accounts, very low volume. Then we'll do 50 accounts, then we'll do 500. And all along, at regular intervals, having visits from the regulators, the OCC or the Federal Reserve, FINRA, coming to inspect and give us feedback and really look at our processes because eventually it's all about risk management and your ability to anticipate risk as you, as you build. So we did that all along. We built it into our processes. So we're safe when we deploy features now is knowing what we're doing. We didn't have to reinvent the wheel after launching. It's all pre-built and baked in. So it was a very friendly relationship. It was thorough, um, very thorough. Um, but ultimately, we believe that's good for everyone. It makes right. the product safe, it makes the platform safe, and and we know we're going to be, as a result, we know that we can scale and not have issues where suddenly the regulators come and tell us, we don't like what you're doing anymore because we're, we have the dialogue ongoing. Uh, right, so. right. So is, is the community bank itself still operating in that, in oh, that yeah. same community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've kept it operating uh, the, way, the way it was. We will, we are plugged into the community. We will... There, there, there are plans potentially down the road to also have um, some overlap between what we do and what, what the community bank itself does. Um, so we're, we're on the board and uh, that relationship remains very healthy. Right, right. So then I was, I was just on your website earlier today and I saw that you, you, still, have, you still have a waiting list, but you are, you are operating, right? You, with, you have, I mean, I've, yeah. I've read you do have uh, live clients. You just... Uh, I presume you're just trying to kind of scale this carefully rather than, uh, you know, rather than sort of opening up the floodgates. So right. like what, what, tell us a little bit about that process about the scaling up from zero. Yeah. So we have thousands of users live on the platform. Now we've been clearing up the wait list relatively actively. So people 
people are people who who still want accounts can especially now can get on board relatively quickly and the waitlist is likely going to disappear very soon it was it was a safe mechanism to make sure we controlled our onboarding flows at the beginning when you control everything it's 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 fantastic because you control everything it's also very risky okay Okay, so I want to talk about the, the bank account itself and the, and the debit card that goes along with it. Can you just describe how that works and some of, the, some of the unique features that you offer? So at the core, I mean, I like to use the electric card analogy. So it's still a car, so it comes with a card and it works with ACH and it feels like a bank account. It's just running in a different fuel. We're not using deposits. We're not, we're not doing all sorts of stuff on the balance sheet. You, we've invested you in T-bills. It's clean and... And at 9 a.m. you can ask the question, where's my money? And it's, it's, it's there in T-bills. We have nothing to hide. So it's, it's clean and green in that sense. It's, it's still a car. It has most of the features you would expect the, the car to have. In this case, the bank account. Uh, right now, it works for individuals. Uh, it has the basic ACH and, and debit card functionalities. With twists here and there, since we control the stack, we're trying to focus mostly on, on your safety and your security to avoid you having to call us all the time or not knowing what's going on. Um, so it's all about giving you some control. So if I have to describe two main things, on the ACH front, we've tokenized the whole experience. So instead of having one bank account number, that's your account and that's it. And when you have to, if that compromised, you have to repaper, close, reopen, and call every single place that may have may have had your bank account on file. Nobody keeps track of that. I don't think, I don't know how many, I didn't know until now, how many places actually had a bank, my bank account number on file. It's an amazing experience. Once you actually start relinking, where for each account, for each place, you give them a new bank account number. We call it a portal. We like to think of Jico if you think about money storage again. It's a pod, your money is safe, and now you're connecting it via different rails. It's right. your, give it a different address each time so that you can shut down that address when you want. And so that's what these bank account numbers are for. So we call them portals. So the account ships with at least 15, and if you need more, we'll happily consider that. Um, 15 is kind of what, what, I've, what we've all needed so far. So you get one to AT&T, one to payroll, one to the gym, and they're disposable. You can close them. So if you have a problem with one, that you don't have to close the entire account and then repaper. So that's that's one key feature. We haven't seen anyone with that, and it's really useful if you like to be in control of your finances. The second piece is the, the, the debit cards. So yes, we ship physical cards because that's still useful when your phone is off battery. No name, on, no number on it, just like the Apple card um, to keep it pretty safe. Um, and the card is, um, the card, the max swipe is, uh, which the swipe, you're not supposed to swipe because that's easy to clone. If that happens first, you need to unlock it in the phone. It's a little clunky, but it really keeps you safe. Chip and pin, otherwise super secure. And of course, uh, the ability to, to, to spin off numbers in the app if you need to make a, a virtual payment online. So uh, we don't want you to use the same number everywhere, same philosophy, stay safe, use different numbers and, uh, and configure around this. So. The one feature I'll mention you may have heard about that in, this, in that spirit, and all of this ships with cashback. So when you use your cards, you get real rewards on debit at scale. You may have heard that recently we had one, uh, we've created a flow allowing you to pay your taxes with the GQ right. card. Right, I read that, I read that. <laughs> and that gives you, yeah, that works at scale because we know where this goes. We know it's for the IRS, but a special purpose virtual card in the app that you can spin off. And that number will only work to pay the IRS, but then on that one, we allowed high limits and high limit, high reward debit has never been done. And we're getting quite some demand for that. Uh, somebody paid, yeah, 4.7 million to the IRS, got 47,000 in cash back. 
we didn't believe that's not subsidized by VCs. That's just the efficiency of our approach. So. Right. Yeah, I read that. It was on, uh, the, the 4.7 million on a debit card. That's, uh, that, is, uh, that is truly quite something uh, to, to see. So, okay, then. Um, wait, so maybe can you explain the mechanics? Let's just take that, that, that example. For, mm-hmm. you know, the, the $4.7 million, obviously, this person had, um, you know, had money. You had, you had the money in T-bills. Um, and then they they went and they they paid the IRS four point seven million. Explain what actually happened in what in that transaction. So what happens in, in when you pay with your debit card is that any payments debit card or others, your treasury bills get liquidated in real time. So you sell your investment, free up the cash as a result, and now you now you can pay. As a user, you don't have to do anything. You still x in this case x million dollars in, in your account. You pay. It looks like a normal bank account, but it's gone to zero or whatever the amount's supposed to be. And uh, and you see a new transaction for your debit card. And a few days later, at the end of the month, you get your you get your cash back. So the, the difference with a, with a bank though is that in this case, you you you're selling your own investment and you settle that in real time. It's your investment that you're that you're liquidating, your T-bills. You've bought T-bills when you brought money in, you sell T-bills on the way out. And uh, it's fluid. You don't have to see anything. It works at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning. It works during, during on a Monday when, when markets are open. And we don't really care about how much goes in and goes out since we don't live off the interchange. We don't have balance sheet. We don't have liquidity concerns. If all the money goes out tomorrow, we can make that happen. We don't have to go scramble to find the money as opposed right. to a normal bank. That's, right. that's why we were very comfortable with that transaction that we can, if all our users uh, run on the bank at GCO and take all their money out, it's, it's there, it's the T-bills that get sold. And, and right, no, that, that is, and you know, T-bills being probably the safest, uh, the safest investment there is. That is really, because in, in many ways, what you're building is a much safer way to do banking. I mean, you, because I mean, obviously a typical bank will loan their money out, they'll have real estate or, or small business or what, ha- what have you. And if they have a run on the bank, that's, that becomes a real problem. The FDIC gets involved and, and whereas with you, it's, it's a much, much safer system. Yes. I think one thing that's important though, because I, I am, um, we, we talk to bankers a lot and we own a bank after all, and that still does the, 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 the traditional activity. You need credit in society and banks are, that's what they do very well, right. the lending side. And I mean, after all, this is lended. What we're really upgrading is the checking cash core experience that everyone sits on. After that, people should still down the road be able to invest in balance sheet intensive products, fund lenders, right. so whether it's CDs or savings or, or structured notes or whatever it is, uh, that's, that's going to be required for banks to keep operating. And we're not really addressing that on the country. We're just making sure that at the bottom, when it comes to cash, cash for day to day, there's no way the fluid right. day. Yeah, we couldn't have the entire banking system operating like that. It, would, uh, it wouldn't it would really work. But, oh. uh, but so then what is your business model? How, how are you making money? So um, mostly as a platform. Right? So we, we, uh, what we've done and what we've exposed to, to, to the app will be available to other partners who want to embed the GECO experience into their product. It works. Think about any merchant that suddenly wants to store a value store. Um, I'm not going to name any, but your favorite brands, there's a number of them that offer you to store some money with them to then pay. We can do that at scale. We can help them get much more streamlined paying experience and just create, let everyone benefit from what we've done. There's huge demand for that. It could, 
And in that sense, instead of the electric car, I like to make the analogy of the Dropbox of money. Super scalable with APIs and anyone can open accounts on your behalf and then with your approval and then, um, and then create beautiful money experiences. So the, the platform will be our main revenue. Um, we will charge for access and for, for account openings. But you as a user, of course, um, if you want to use our app, um, there'll be a free version. Um, and we'll, we, we will have, because of what we've done, we think it's powerful enough that there's a beautiful product to be sold as well. We don't want to bleed either. So the current app is, being, is going to be tiered and there will, be a, there will be a monthly subscription fee applying for a certain balance. We're still figuring out exactly where that's going to be. Right. So it's going to be both the platform access indirectly so through partners. We will charge them for accessing your money with your consent and all of that, obviously. Offering you amazing experience in their brands while charging you for using the app directly fully if you want to use it as a primary bank account. If not, there's going to be a beautiful light version available for free forever. Right, right. Okay, so I want to talk about this platform then. So are you going after like treasuries at, at companies or are you going after other banks? I mean, what, or both? I mean, what, what's, your, what, what's your sort of vision there? Down the road, we can do a lot. We're not fully equipped to do everything and we're still a small company. Right now, the main demand that we're seeing is from, from fintechs that look for, you know, they're nimble, they've got good, a good ability to, to, to plug into APIs, they're designed for it. And uh, most fintechs are not regulated, they're looking for a regulated partner on which to open accounts, store money, potentially issue cards within, within the value prop of that particular fintech. They each have a, a, a niche and a beautiful feature that they're rolling out in an ecosystem around it. There's still a need to store cash and create a banking experience. So we're seeing a lot of demand for that. So in that sense, that makes us the ideal partner bank. What's differentiated between us as a partner bank versus others is really A, that we have a single API that handles everything. When you work with Chico, you don't have to go get a core provider, a core processor, and then a partner bank. It's, it's one. And we scale. So when it's 500,000 users or multiple millions or multiple fintechs bringing a lot of flow, including big tech down the road, we have no scale issues. We won't have to recapitalize. We won't blow up. We're always going to be there. Right. Right. If someone could bring $10 billion to you and you could just handle that because the treasury market is just so monstrously big. And uh, yeah, I, I, I see that. So then, I mean, it's really interesting that you've like, like that you've got this sort of your cash layer because I could, um, I could see that, you know, there's I mean, a lot of cash. I mean, I know that for our, I mean, our business, we, we handle cash and it's, uh, it sits in a checking account earning zero right now. And is that, I mean, like it just seems to me that like you've got a consumer offering. Is this, yeah. are we going to see a small business offering as well? Yeah, of course. Of course. And even corporate down the road. We, we right. just have to grow carefully as we go. Right now, we've built everything for the consumer. That's who we wanted to serve first and just create more universal access really cheaply. So we've, we've done that. We're exposing it now. We're making it available to the general public and exposing it to partners who need that. The next iteration is like, well, what's the difference between a, and that line is getting so blurred these days anyways. What's a business versus a person? So many gig workers or self-employed, it's, it's really getting blurry. So fundamentally, it's still the same. You've got to store the money. And in fact, the bigger you think, the more important what we've done is, is, is uh, the more obvious it becomes that what we're doing is important because Consumers are particular with FDIC. Are, do you really care of T-bills versus, versus FDIC? Well, yes, it's transparent and comes with some, some yield, but really. But if you have more than 250000 because you're a small business and you have rolling cash, 
where do you put that? It's not FTSE insured above 250 and sweep accounts and all the complexity you're not equipped. Put in a T-bill, start with that. That's your core primary layer. And then process your payments with that and match that versus, versus your users. And you can rebuild a lot, a huge ecosystem that way. It's mostly papering, papering when it comes to in the controls. It's, that's really what it's going to be all about. Large businesses means heavier volume, more money laundering issues, uh, more uh, onboarding questions as to who has access to the account. We're investing in it. We'll be ready for it at some point. Partners are already asking us for it. And ultimately, corporate cash would be the at scale would be the, the final. Right. So you, you say treasury, the treasury bills, and I think my understanding is that they're, they're all short term. I think it's less than a year duration, right? And then you have, there, there's treasury notes uh, that are the longer duration, treasury bonds. I mean, are you... You're focused on treasury bills because they're obviously the most liquid. And the but are you like are you going to offer the longer duration products at some point as well? And the more sophisticated the client base is at the moment, meaning small businesses who can predict their cash flows with treasury or, or large corporates. Yes, that's when you need to start opening up the yield curve to to longer duration. For day to day retail consumer, T bills is 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 is. is I have to be careful. I can't really say as good as cash, but that, that's pretty much that. And then, and then uh, anything above that would be really an investment that requires heavy disclosure and may not be suitable to everyone. But for right. small businesses, for corporates, yeah, they should actually manage and be able to 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 go into five-year bonds, ten-year bonds. They remain liquid. You can still sell them. Ten-year bonds are extremely liquid. You can still sell them, but they have a risk now because as rates move, those bonds value move and right. So you, as the, the, the treasurers and CFOs will have to manage that. But there's lots of players who do that the, the, and can, can even cross out what we do, which is we would be the layer. Power. Right. So are you, are you investing in like 30-day bills? I mean, what, what, is, what are you typically investing? So currently, we have discretion over that. Historically, we've been investing people in one-year bonds and rolling those on a monthly basis. Because okay. one-year bonds, are, within the T-bills, are usually in the curve, tends to be convex, so, so it's... It's a good point to be in. It's still highly liquid, very low risk, but it rolls. And by rolling it, we keep we keep you the, the highest point on the curve. Right now, there's really no difference between the one-year bond, one month. So our team is most likely going to move everything into one month, wait, see what happens in the rate markets. All that is disclosed. So but within the T-bill, T-bills are maximum one-year yield anyways. That's the right, right, right. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. Okay. So tell me about the... The tech you've built is has got to be somewhat unique. I mean, are you uh, like what's the size of your tech team? How how have you kind of uh, built this technology? There's 15 people in our tech team right now, all in Reykjavik, Iceland. We went uh, okay. We went to Reykjavik to build this. Uh, <laughs> the only country that uh, it's the only country that threw bankers in jail after 2008, after all. Right. Um, so our our uh, what we're doing clearly resonated there. Well, I'm, I'm partially joking here. It just happened to be that my my office made at Celtic. Uh, is from Iceland, Hannes Hogesson, and he joined us very early and helped build up the team there. So we have a really great team. We are now hiring in the U.S. and creating a global team because we need to operate 24-7. And there's only so much you can scale out of Iceland, but it's been a fantastic place to start, and we have a great team there. Now, it's 2021. We started around 2016 prototyping. The cloud has matured so much that you can do a lot if you're not encumbered by legacy. And so that's why our team is actually that tiny, because... Setting up, you don't have to get data servers. You don't have to, you, you, uh, between the Kubernetes infrastructure and AWS and everything that's been maturing between Google and Amazon. You can do so much extremely safely with regulatory oversight. You have to know what you're doing. Yeah, you need, you need experts, but you can really operate with a very tiny team. 
in fact, safely, almost more safely than within your legacy because we can just backflow from one zone to the other and everything that, you, that comes with that. So that's our team. It's going to grow. The architecture is pretty distributed. We've looked at the blockchain. We've, uh, we're not a blockchain company, but there's good constructs in there. And, and uh, it's all about basically digital T-bills. And we focus very heavily on privacy. That's that's core to what we do. We're a bank after all. So we can't have fake accounts, but we also don't want to sell the data and have random access. So security and privacy is very important to us. Right. And, uh, but, you know, people, if I may demystify one, one thing is, if you're, a, if you're a bank and you have the ledger, and let's say you have only 10 clients, you could operate the bank without technology. It's called a book, and that's how Uncle Scrooge was making the entry. So in some <laughs> right. sense, it's, I mean, that's really all you need for a bank, or even if it's a broker-dealer of securities, you make the entries. That's how it used to work. It doesn't scale well. But that's really in the back. All you need is a database. You want to do that super modern with, with the latest technology. But the data models are well known, and it's not as complicated if you start from scratch. I think that's one very important message. Right, right. No, no, I get it. I get it. Okay. And so you've talked about a lot of the places you're going. I mean, you clearly, you're still in the early days here, but maybe we can end with, maybe you can tell us like some of the milestones that you're looking to hit over, over the next 12 months. Yeah. We're raising focus right now on onboarding our first partners. We have a few, uh, few that we're signing deal terms with and it's just, they're going to do everything we can to power them up uh, and be live before the end of the year. Well, of course, uh, talking to anyone who's interested about uh, running on what Jico's built um, towards opening up much heavier volume next year. So but this year, opening up the platform basically while keeping on improving our direct product and making it as, as smooth and as fluid as uh, the modern landscape uh, requires. So really beautiful and safe experience where people feel that the is just where it belongs and nowhere else. Right, right. Well, it's, it's really it's really an interesting product. What you an interesting company that you've built here, Stefan. I, I I appreciate you coming on this show, and uh, best of luck to you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, see you. You know, I love creative ideas like what uh, Stefan and the GECO team are doing. I mean, when, when you think about it, there's no reason why your money should be just sitting in a bank checking account earning zero. And in fact, you're getting charged for the privilege often to have that money stored there. There, you know, I, I think I, what GECO has, has invented a new way of doing, of doing this. You know, I could, I could easily see a, a point where something like this becomes the norm. Now, it's going to take you know many, many years, decades, in fact, if that ever does happen. GECO is in a position to to really you know, take advantage of the, you know, even, even though rates are low right now, it's still, it's better to get something on your money um, than, than nothing. And uh, and if rates start to go up a little bit, then it will become even even more important. So, I'll be, I'll be watching their progress with great interest. And, uh, you know, we'll, I think we'll be seeing a lot from, uh, from GECO going forward. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Lended Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. Lendit's flagship event is happening online this year on April 27 to 29, with the possibility of an exclusive VIP in-person component. The verdict is in on Lender's 2020 event that was held online, with many people saying it was the best virtual event they had ever attended. Lendit is setting the bar even higher in 2021. So join the fintech community at Lendit Fintech USA, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Sign up today at lendit.com/usa.